Welcome to the Sunday edition of the Progress with the Unity podcast. Barry, Adam and Paul here today. And you got to say, we're doing things the Wigan Athletic way. Parted the Wigan Athletic way though, didn't we as well? It was a great end of season party. And remember what we said anyway, the main purpose, it was a celebration of the fact that we're still here. We actually have a club. Yet promotion yesterday would have been a great bonus, but the main reason we did that event yesterday was to celebrate still being alive. And some of the people who played a big part in that were up on stage yesterday. So well well done to all. If you look for an unsung hero out of that lot, you've just got to look at Caroline, haven't you? You know, the amount of stuff she went through at a time when her day job was being upended and restructured and all the chaos going through that with schools going to home learning as well. So there's your your, your quiet secret hero in all this, Caroline Molyneux. But we still was all expecting or something to happen yesterday. Even the EFL expected <laughs> something to happen. They brought they brought a stage down and they had two signs yeah. promoted <laughs> and champions. I saw them before the game and I, I jokingly said, Have you also got one that says still need one point? I was half joking, but that one would have been perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was a good atmosphere around the place, weren't there, before the game, and, and everybody was excited, and there was a decent enough crowd on. Rotherham went a goal behind, it filtered through, but the game ended one apiece at our end. Rotherham won 2-1, and MK Duns won 2-0. So it passes on to Tuesday. But when we're looking at the Plymouth game, realistically, we could have come out of that, I think, with you know 3 or 4-1 oh, in our yeah. favour. Typical football thing, rather than walking away disappointed that we didn't secure promotion you walk away frustrated thinking what the bloody hell is that oh, does somebody literally need to shoot Callum Lang before he gets a penalty it was that fr- it was a level of frustration at the bloody officials again rather rather than a disappointment because we know promotions coming you know it's going to you know it might be Tuesday it's going to come yeah it was just it, it was a real strange atmosphere wasn't it dominated that first 25 minutes, half an hour, where we could have been out of sight again, but for a bit more finishing, and then lift to rue it with a, a well-earned point at the end. Starting off with the, with the team selection, I think everybody was taken by surprise with two things, really. Firstly, Cousins was back in. Wow, you know, he's been out for so long. There was a little hint of it during the week in an interview that was given. And then both Joe Bennett and Tom Pierce starting. Pierce was in there as, as perhaps a, a left winger. For me, it works in that first half. We, like Paul said, then Adam, we were really dominant. And I'm going to throw something in here. Cousins had, had an header after about probably about 17, 20 minutes. If that was Josh McGuinness, that ball would have been in the back of the net. And I think it was made for Josh McGuinness. And unfortunately, yeah. he, he weren't in the same way due to his current injury status. Yeah, I mean, it must be it must be getting near now because he missed midweek, didn't he? And then he was back on the bench, so he's obviously just got the odd niggle, and it's not worth not worth risking it, making it worse. I suspect he might play at Portsmouth on Tuesday, but yeah, I think there were spells in that first half where it looked like a goal was inevitable. I mean, their goalkeepers had a good game. It's one of those, isn't it, that if you get your goal, it does change it completely. The relaxation and the confidence, the crowd. I mean, their crowd was well up for it yesterday, and as well and. Yeah, you know, we've got some idiots in our in our fan base, you know, like for instance, throwing flurs and hitting that poor girl yesterday in ES3. That person should be ashamed of themselves. And then some of the idiots from Plymouth fighting at, at, at the end of the game with some of ours. But generally speaking, 
the, the game was fitting of the atmosphere, I thought. I thought it was a good game. Uh, both sets of fans singing away, and that's 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 what it should be about. But in any walk of life, you always get minorities, don't you, who try and spoil it for the majority. The f- throwing the flurs into into your own... Well, throwing the flurs straight at that. It's not something that I agree with, because I've got asthma for a start, so you get a gobble of that stuff. But when you throw in them... Dying into your own supporters as well. You know, you're not concerned about who, who you're hitting with them. I mean, I've seen it on, on quite a few occasions away from home this season where that's happened, and it's it's hit people on the back of their head and what have you. It's not on. They wouldn't come down and stick it in your face, would they? Obviously, for the reprisal they're going to get. And like you said, Adam, it could have put that young young kid off coming back to the Latics again. That experience. Let's well, hope that it, there's a bit of a break now to the season starts, and just hope yeah. that she comes. There's back. only one. One place for flows, and that's in Blue Toes on a Saturday night when you get that disco beat going. That's the only place it should be. Right, what about that? The chance off Dorico's cross in the first half. A fantastic cross from Dorico. He punched on that ball and hammered it across and, and Lange met it and the keeper made a, I thought it was a breathtaking save really. And then it, it rebounded off, off Lange and it went towards goal again and Kino had, a, had an effort. That little flurry of probably about 15 seconds we had three glorious chances there to put the ball in the back of that. Ended with Max Power, didn't it? Was it Max Power who scared it or was it Keen? I've not seen the replay. I think, I think it was Power. And, and, yeah. and that, I mean, that would have given us a deserved lead at the time, wouldn't it? But it's football. They got yeah. better second half, didn't they? They were slightly better second half, Plymouth. I thought they, uh, they grew into the game. I mean, I wasn't sure about what was... I thought the referee played a long advantage, you know, just ahead of that free kick. And then, you know, he was stood in that position, wasn't he, to put Amos off. And it probably worked because it's just a a mistake that just was not anything like he's shown this season, really. I mean, I can only think of one other major mistake that that he's made, really. It obviously worked, that tactic. At that point, you start getting a bit worried, don't you, when we go that one goal down and thinking, oh, is it going to be that one of them home games again where we just can't get back into it? Yeah, it wasn't the best free kick anyway, was it? It was a soft late one. It just bounced up. Bounced up in front of him, like you said. He had his eyes up, one eye on on uh, the big centre-half who'd come up and Jeff got just nips in and chucked it away. It, it, It had that pillar dancing around in front of him and and it bounced in the wrong place. It's just that just that sort of confluence of events put him yeah. off just that little bit. Enough. Uh, we responded, didn't we, within 11 minutes. Jack Watmore. We'd had a series of corners. We had a lot of corners yesterday, didn't we? And we had a series of corners. Uh, oh, oh, what a finish. What a sweet finish from... Uh, Jackie Watmore. Yeah, very good. Yeah, took it really well. You know, again, we just continued really, you know, with uh, even though McLean's not in there, we're still getting good, we're still p- putting good quality into the box with the left foot as well of uh, Bennett. We know what a left foot he's got after that goal he scored, didn't we, uh, a couple of weeks ago. So I think we've been superb on set pieces all season. You know, I think our attacking set pieces have improved so much in the last... Uh, and you've got to say, that having Beattie and Kelly there, there's obviously things that are working well. There's a little bit of an inevitability that we were going to score, but then in the back of your mind, you were thinking, is it one of those days? You're like, you're a bit torn, really. There was Max Power's chance, wasn't there, that header? It was a Will Keane position, weren't it? And he yeah. uh, edited it wide. I wouldn't say it was like non-stop pressure, was it? Where you, you thought that they, they're going to have to, you know, the essentially going to cave in. But you did think that there was a chance, didn't you, in that last 15 minutes that we would, we'd go on and get the winner. And like we said earlier, you know, should have been a penalty, shouldn't there? We talked about that. And there could have been, I mean, Keno ended up on his backside in the box and they got a free kick for that after, that was a ridiculous decision. The, the time when Wangy were through, one-on-one, and he went down, they both went down, didn't they? 
and it was obvious who was doing the pulling there. And yeah, Plymouth got got the free kick. Something I wanted to mention about that ref was Seb Stockbridge. It, it tended to play the advantage rule to keep the game flowing. It, it looked frightened to make the big decisions, which was the penalty decisions. But then you look across, you watch Quest last night, and you look across the EFL as a whole from the Championship down to League Two, and you see some of the decisions going on, you know, what, what were highlighted just last night. You know, penalties given and penalties not given. And was the consistency across? There is none. There, there are absolutely, it's shocking, really, the standard of, I think for me, that's something that needs sorting out. You know, you see some referees giving penalties for like a little nudge, just a little nudge. Shea Dunkley got a goal disallowed. I don't know if you saw that at Wickham in the first half. Shea Dunkley was actually wrestled to the ground and he got his foot on the end of a ball and it was a clear penalty for Sheffield Wednesday, but he scored. But the referee, referee disallowed the goal and give a free kick to Wickham. Now, yeah. Wickham ended up winning that game, and it was just an unbelievable could decision. It could cost them a playoff place. Well, it could, yeah, but it's not, they're not isolated, these incidents, are they? The, it's everywhere. Oh, there's, a, there's a system, there's a system error, uh, something in the system of training of referees or something that's not right at the moment. You know, even at Premier League level, referees who are sitting in that VAR studio, who actually have the benefit of the technology, are still making deci- poor decisions that they, so they don't understand the culture and the rules of the game. Yeah, there's three or four decent refs, you know, and there's probably one or two in the championship as well. But as you move further down the pyramid, it's every week, isn't it? And the thing for me with refs, you cannot expect every decision for you to be sat there saying, yeah, that was right, that was right, that was right. Because there are decisions that are interpretable both ways. Some of them are going to go against you. What you want to be doing is sitting there saying, I don't like that decision but I can see why he's given it. You don't want to be sat there thinking, what the bleeding hell is he doing giving that? From the angle I was at, you know, we were sat there saying, how in the hell did Callum Lang not get a penalty? doesn't look quite as clear-cut on the replay from the other side, you know, from the West Stand. Like I said before, I walked away not disappointed that we haven't gone up yet, because we will, but like frustrated off the back of a decision that you just think, how in the hell does a referee not give a penalty for that? I agree with you, exactly. I think, like we've said previously, and some of our guests who's been on the show as well have said we could have a dedicated show to refereeing decisions this season across across the all of the EFL. And I agree with you, Adam, there's something wrong in the system and it needs sorting ASAP. It's just so frustrating. Anyway, man of the match for the game versus Plymouth, as voted for by our listeners on both Twitter and Facebook, was Max Power. So well done to Max and congratulations on that. The stats from the game was we had 64% of the possession yesterday. 11 attempts with four on target. Plymouth only had five attempts with two on target. And I think both of those on target were around the goal that they scored. The free kick and then the follow-up. There were 12 fouls committed by ourselves and eight by Plymouth. There were four yellows in total and we picked up three. Bennett, Pierce and Keane. And the attendance was 14,130 with approximately 1,200 making their way up from down on the South Devon coast. And Cadons and Rotherham, as we mentioned, both got favourable results yesterday. And it 
keeps them in touch with us more so rather than MK Dons who need a bit of a marital realtor overall as we're as good as promoted like you said earlier on obviously that's going to be settled for us hopefully on Tuesday evening when we travel down to Fratton Park to play Portsmouth in a rearranged fixture earlier today Adam has been speaking with Pompey fan Dr Andy Mitch our second doc of the season and he's given us a good insight hasn't he into all things Pompey Hiya guys, hope you are keeping well on the Wigan podcast. I think, to be honest with you, we're very much where we realistically thought we'd be and we're definitely where we deserve to be in the table. I don't really think the side have deserved to make the playoffs this season based on a number of games where the team just haven't turned up, where it's come to crunch time. Generally, I know it sounds cliche, but we've struggled against the teams above us with the exception of, you know, demolishing Sunderland in a swimming pool and beating a a Rotherham team who are obviously struggling for form at the moment. Other than that, we've really struggled against the teams above us and we've looked fairly comfortable a lot of the time against teams below us, with the exception of, of Cambridge United, who for some reason we've just not been able to get a result against really this season. I think at the start of the season, we expected to be playoffs at a push, realistically maybe mid-table. The Cowleys have said when they came in they thought they needed three transfer windows. This summer will be that third transfer window, so I think next season is kind of crunch time. The players we bring in or the players we retain, potentially more importantly, is going to tell us a lot about the club's ambitions. In terms of the game on uh, on Tuesday, I mean, we'll come on to the prediction in a little bit, but I would be pleasantly surprised if we get anything out of the game. To be honest, I know that you guys aren't in the best of form, but we've generally struggled against teams above us in the league. We've, to be honest with you, struggled to get any momentum going since the Christmas break. We were in a good run of form before the enforced COVID. I think we had, it was our rear, it was our game against you that was, was being rearranged. It was around that time in the middle of December. Uh, we had two, three, four games in a row postponed because of the COVID pandemic. And we were in quite a good run of form at that point and I would have been more confident if we'd played you then but um, after that that break we just struggled to get any momentum going in January and uh, that's pretty much the reason that we've not made the playoffs to be honest with you this year it'll be interesting to see what happens next season I'll, I'll leave it at that in terms of the analysis of this season we are where we deserve to be it's not like we've just got really unlucky in a huge number of games we've been fairly good at the back uh, we've not conceded many goals at all compared to you know what we would have expected. That's largely because of Sean Raggett and Gavin Bazunu, who I, I guess I'll come on to in a moment when I talk about players to look out for. The players that you need to be watching out for, I guess, Gavin Bazunu in goal. Uh, he's on loan from Man City, and I think it's pretty much accepted that he's going to be Man City's number two keeper next season. There's absolutely zero chance of us retaining him over summer. He's been starting for the Republic of Ireland, and I can't remember the name of Man City's number two keeper who's been playing in their cup competitions, but he's not not been brilliant and there were a lot of Man City fans calling for Bazuni to be the number two he's been arguably our player of the season I genuinely don't think we've had as good a goalkeeper since David James his shot stopping is incredible his distribution is extremely good one of the reasons that Danny and Nicky Cowley brought him in was because he's so comfortable with the ball at his feet and he sort of ties in with the the way the Cowleys like to play football of playing it out on the ground from the back yeah genuinely I don't have enough superlatives to describe him this season he's had one or two iffy moments uh, I think there was one against Ipswich where we lost 4-0 but um, generally has been one of the two standout players of the season and you know potentially could have won the, the player of the season award that went to Sean Raggett in our in our last home game yesterday other players to look out for Raggett has been an 
a lot more solid this year. Generally, he's been he's looked good since he joined the club, but he's had absolute howler moments in him. This season, he's kind of stepped up to be the senior member of defence with fewer mistakes in him. So I think he'll he's probably one of the stand-up players. Hayden Carter has come in on loan from, I want to say, Blackburn Rovers. Again, I don't think we'll be able to retain him next season. He's been extremely good. Again, apart from one dreadful moment away against Sunderland, which cost us a 1-0 defeat. Other than that, he's been confident on the ball, dangerous going forward, delivers a really, really good cross as well. Uh, other players to look out for, the, the same old faces that you'll have recognised from previous games. So Ronan Curtis has spent some of the season playing up top, which hasn't really worked out too well. Um, he's looking more dangerous on the left, which is where he spent some of the, the game uh, yesterday against Gillingham and scored twice. And Marcus Harness, again, has a moment of quality in him. George Hurst is an interesting one uh, because he joined the club. He's on loan from Leicester under-23s, I think it is, and basically hadn't scored a senior professional goal before joining the club and was obviously really low on confidence when he arrived. And it actually started finding the net and looking pretty dangerous now. And then I guess in midfield, you're looking at Joe Morell and Michael Jacobs as the key players. Morel is a Welsh international. He's with us permanently on a three-year contract, I think it is. Brilliant signing uh, on his day. Looks a class apart. But the problem with the side is that when push comes to shove in the crunch moments, it doesn't click. And when the pressure's off, it looks a lot better. Uh, so kind of similar to the end of well, it was last season, I think, where we, we needed to win on the last day to make the playoffs. Came to crunch crunch time and players didn't step up and it's happened before as well in the playoffs against Sunderland a couple of years ago jumps to mind but with the pressure off maybe that frees them up it's not really come across like they're on the beach already even though we're not playing for anything it looks like they are a little bit freed up by the lack of pressure and a couple of them are playing for their contracts in terms of how well Tom Naylor and Jack Watmore are doing at Wigan Athletic not really a surprise especially in terms of Jack Watmore he had huge injury problems on the south coast which was quite frustrating is i think he said repeated acl injuries and it was very frustrating to watch because on his day he was an absolute class apart and you know the days where we had him and matt clark as the two center backs with burgess as well they seem like, like quite a long time ago now but he always looked like a quality center back and it was quite a, a big issue in the in the fan base where there was a very very strong rumors that basically he was just in, offered a bit of an insulting pay cut which is why he's ended up at Wigan Athletic same for Tom Naylor uh, they were offered pretty pathetic new contracts which they understandably rejected and it sounds like there is the possibility that the same thing could be happening this year which is why I mentioned the players we retain telling us as much about the club's ambitions just as much as the players we bring in over summer I think Tom Naylor was slightly more surprised how well he's excelled he didn't stand out in midfield for us decent club captain did a good job didn't stand out in the same way Watmore did but we are really pleased to see them doing well I mean i I don't think many Pompey fans hold anything against Watmore, especially for leaving, because it's generally known that he was offered a pretty crap deal and it's understandable that he left. Pleased to see them doing well. Having said that, I'm sure they'll get a little bit of stick on Tuesday night because that's just what happens, isn't it, when you return to former clubs. Favourite Pompey Wigan match would probably be at Fratton Park and I think it was the first time Paul Cook came back to Fratton Park after controversially leaving Pompey. I remember Brett Pittman scoring a penalty and I think it was a 2-1 win and it was just the satisfaction of, of beating Paul Cook on his return to, to Fratton Park. It's interesting seeing you guys doing so well under Liam Richardson as well. I think it was Adam McGurk this week, former Pompey player, came out and called Liam Richardson a snake in the press. I don't think McGurk had the best time at Pompey and got kind of ostracised a little bit along with Cal Naismith who obviously also ended up at Wigan. So it's been interesting to, to see him come out this week and absolutely slam Paul Cook and Liam Richardson in the press. 
Uh, I'm not sure what the Wigan view of Paul Cook is at the moment. Uh, it doesn't look like he's doing spectacularly. I think it's Chesterfield he's at now. It's interesting anyway. There's, there's just so many ties between the two clubs. I mean, Paul Cook just takes a number of players with him wherever he goes, right? <laughs> it's interesting to see the relationship that Liam Richardson has with his players and the fact that you're being so successful under him, even though Paul Cook's left the club. I don't know if that maybe tells you something about who was really pulling the strings when uh, when Cook and Richardson were working together. In terms of the prediction for Tuesday, I'm kind of torn because now the pressure's off, Pompey are actually looking a little bit more dangerous, which is infuriating, to be honest with you. Having said that, you've got something to play for. You've got a title to play for. And I think you can seal it on Tuesday night. You can you can definitely seal promotion on Tuesday night, can't you? I think if, if you win, you've got a better goal difference than Rotherham. You know, if you win, it pretty much seals promotion or it definitely seals promotion and you can almost have one hand on the trophy. So if that isn't a driver, I don't know what is. I'm going to predict an optimistic one-all draw. I do think it's likely we'll go down to maybe a 2-1 defeat. Um, I wouldn't tell the guys on our podcast that, but... um. I think realistically, I'll be pleased if we get anything out of the game. I think a 2-1 defeat is likely. I do think we'll get on the score sheet. I think we're dangerous enough going forward at the moment. Put three past Rotherham, put three past Gillingham, although most teams seem to do that. I think we'll score. And then whether or not we manage to get anything from the game will depend on the performance of our centre-backs and our goalkeeper, I would imagine. Hope you guys are keeping well. And yeah, congratulations on the inevitable promotion to the championship next year. It'll be nice to see Jack Watmore playing and I guess Tom Naylor playing in, in a higher division. It's always good to see. Take it easy. Very interesting, that. Very detailed. I like the analysis of the Watmore. I think it was pretty much what all Portsmouth fans were saying at the time. Fantastic player but you won't get enough games out of him. Well, we've seen that he's a fantastic player and he's pretty much played every game, hasn't he? So, uh, and Naylor has clearly stepped up, you know, new surroundings have uh, served him well. Uh, he's definitely picked up. Those two are in contention, aren't they, for our player of the year. Nice at the end as well, he gave us a positives. So seems quite pleased that we've gone up and Portsmouth, I guess, will be pushing on next season, won't they, to try and try and get in the playoffs or an automatic but there will be some big clubs in there again next season, won't they? It feels that they're playing better without the pressure, but they've had a good run. I mean, as, as you're going to be talking about later on with the form, they've, they've been on a, an excellent run when possibly the pressure was on for them to catch the chip, you know, to catch the pack. That was it was a bit of disappointment from his point of view coming through in, in that. Well, because possibly, yeah. They're an outside though, because I've not really noticed them having a stinker all season. And, and if you think about it, they started so well. When we played that first game of the season, it was a proper early six-pointer, wasn't it? I think we were the top two or two of the top three at the time and we scored with a late goal on a very hot day, if you remember. And they started so well. And then they must have had a kind of like, I think he alluded to it, didn't he? Back end of the year, early early New Year. You know, they had a pause for COVID and then must have had a bit of a bad run. Because it, like you said recently, they've, they've been doing really well and they've been beating some of the better sides as well. So maybe there's a hint of look this this is what we can do but we haven't done it enough this this season let's hope that they're not doing it on Tuesday so will there be a referee there on Tuesday another good quality referee Paul certainly will and it will be Mr Craig Hicks from Surrey and he was promoted to the national list of referees for the 2017-18 season following a rapid rise through the Surrey local league this will be his second Latix game he refereed the Latics earlier this season a 2-0 away win at Charlton back in September which had James McLean and Tendai to equal eight goals if you remember Hicks has two previous Portsmouth games this season both at Fratton Park both wins 1-0 against Bolton in October 
and 2-1 against Burton in February. Craig Hicks card watch 2021-22 is 34 games, 107 yellows, 6 reds and he's awarded just 4 penalties. So let's see how Callum does on Tuesday. That's Craig Hicks, referee for Tuesday night against Portsmouth. I don't really remember much refereeing-wise from that Charlton game, so hopefully that's a decent sign. Anyway, on to the uh, previous and the form guide. Played Portsmouth on 22 occasions. We've we've won seven, we've drawn four, and we've lost 11. We're not the best, best of teams for us. However, in the reverse fixture, as I've just alluded to before, we won that game by one goal to nil with Mr Callum Lang scoring the goal. Portsmouth are currently ninth in the table with 70 points from 44 games. And the recent form is very good. They they had a defeat, but since then, two uh, three wins and a draw from the last four, four games, including a really good 3-0 win against Rotherham. 22 home games so far this season, 44 points, 13 wins, four defeats and five draws, 43 goals for and 23 against. Currently on a run of 60, league games with nine wins, five draws and just two defeats, taking 32 points from a possible 48. Back to Barry for the predictions and apologies for the background noise. I'd hate to predict the team because I think the way we're going at the moment I'd be way off mark. I know Liam likes to stick because that's what he loves to do, but I think he might twist again on Tuesday and we might see a couple of new faces, but I've no idea what his, his lineup or his formation will be. So we'll just leave it there. It's never easy for us going going down there, is it? I remember Chimbonda back in 2005, and I'm hoping for something very similar. So I'm going to go for I'm going to go for a one 0 Latics win. Pretty much on the final whistle yesterday, I decided on a whim to go. If anybody from work listens, I've got a medical appointment, and uh, Doctor Auburn, if I need you to back me up. I'll give you a shout. Yeah, I think you're right in saying that it'd be difficult to predict the team. When there was people around me calling for substitutions late yesterday, I kind of said, you want Lange or Kino to score the goal that takes you up. So that's what I kind of think was in the thinking yesterday. So I think we'll start with the same team that started yesterday. And if we get ourselves in a good position, we'll we'll see some changes. And I'll go for a 2-0 away win. Barry alluded to a great 2-0 win in 2005. I also remember that uh, Emil Heskey there joined the 100 club uh, with a last-minute winner in a 2-1 win. Uh, And of course, we won there last year as well, which was remarkable given the circumstances. I seem to remember, there was a cracking free-kick goal, wasn't there, in that game from... Tom James, it's a tough one to predict, really. I, it's not going to be an easy game because they're playing well at the moment. I mean, obviously for Paul, going down there on his own, well, not on his own, but, you know, taking a long journey. I'd like them to to win the league there, but I think it might be a 1-1 draw. And then for selfish reasons, I'll be very happy that when we win the league at Shrewsbury and I'll be there celebrating, sending you pictures. <laughs> That's terrible. So 1-1's my prediction. There's not only us playing on... Tuesday evening. There's three other games in League One, and they're all very important games, both at the top and the bottom. We've got Fleetwood and Sheffield Wednesday, so that's you know that's a quite important game at both ends. Us and Pompey and Sunderland entertain Rotherham United. So for the one and only time this season, I'm going to say. Come on, Sunderland. Yeah, it sticks, sticks in throats a bit saying that, doesn't it? <laughs> it stuck in mind just then, yeah, it did. Yeah, taste, tasty fixture. Another one that you wouldn't be too surprised if I ended up in a draw <laughs> as well, would you? So, you know, that would do us, wouldn't it? We did a 
On Location podcast on Saturday at the Supporters Club and we spoke to Talal, Al Brannigan, some of the board members, Liam Richardson and a couple of players. Managed to get hold of a audio recording, so I'm hoping to be able to put that out at some point in the next couple of days. So that's something to look out for. That's going to be a special. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday, hopefully singing the old Campione song. So until Wednesday, up right. the six. Up the tick. Come on. <laughs>